Hello, everyone. Welcome to the new season of Digital Adoption Show. I'm your host for the episode. My name is Brena, and I am a digital adoption consultant here at Watbix for the Europe region. And today's episode is all about the role of detailed documentation for effective digital adoption. Today, I'm really excited to host Mike Bloke, Senior Manager Technical Documentation from BK Medical, a GE healthcare company. He holds a master's degree in technical communication and localization from the University of Strasbourg, France, and TC Train certification, TC Train Net certification. Um, both as a mentor for TechCom students and as part of her commitment to TechCom Denmark as president, she aspires to spread the word about their profession and motivate even more people to join the field of technical communication. Welcome to the show, Michael. Excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's such an honor. This is great. I know you and I have collaborated in the past for our digital adoption project, but mm -hmm. it's great to be having you today as one of our guests for the podcast. Thank you. Great. So, Michael, um, I know you quite well, but then for our <laughs> listeners today, I think it'll be a good place to let them know about you a little bit as well. So. Mm -hmm. What makes you Mike and Block? What makes me Mike and Block? Well, first of all, I think my my passion, energy, and my general love of life makes me who I am. So no matter what I do, I bring in a lot of passion and a lot of energy. And I know it can be very overwhelming for people at first, but once they warm up to me, they're like, oh yeah, she's pretty cool. I want to do more with her. I want to work with her. Maybe we can collaborate on this thing. And I think it's it's just what, yeah, it's just what I do basically. And it's so much fun. It it helps me become a better person and uh, seeing people grow. I mean, what's not to like? Yeah, I know that that's actually one of the best feelings. Grow with people that you are that you're surrounded with. It, it's one of the it's best really feelings true. that also uh, impact a lot into your professional life. So yeah, I, I've worked exactly, with you. I know yeah. it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is great. Thank you for thank you for introducing yourself to our listeners today, Michael. Um, moving on, let's try and get a little more fun here. I have a few questions, um, which Ooh. will be a quick round of rapid fire for you. I'm okay. hoping you're okay with getting into that as well. Of course. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Although I don't have a timer here with me, um, you can respond as soon as you can think of an answer for these questions. I'll try and keep these really funny as well. But mm hmm. hmm let me see. My first question for you would be, if you could be on a TV reality show, which one would you choose and why? Oh, reality shows. Oh, it's a good question. I think, well, one of my favorite shows, it's not really a reality TV show, but it is in a way. Um, so the chef show with John Favreau, I don't know if you know it, uh, but it's the most amazing TV show. I mean... I'm a big foodie and I love food and just seeing all these beautiful dishes and it's super Ooh. low key. You can do most of them yourself. I'm like, oh, I get so hungry. I'm like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this. Oh, that looks delicious. I want to do that at home as well. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I get so hungry every time I watch an episode, but it's just, mm, it's so good. I feel so good afterwards. High five to that. I do the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next question for you would be, what is the best perk you have ever enjoyed at a job? The best perk ever enjoyed? 
I would say the flexibility and the opportunity to grow and learn. So throughout my career, uh, I had at my previous job, I had the support to do my master's degree so I could work and study at the same time, uh, but also continuous learning. So getting refreshers on, on things that are important for, for my work areas uh, that I can teach some of my team members in different aspects. And that I also have the opportunity to say, okay, now we want to go as a team and do a course, then I have the the option to do so. I think that's probably the best perk. Amazing, amazing. Um, if you had a time machine, my friend, would you go back in time or into the future? Mm, into the future. I remember mm -hmm. when I was a kid uh, in the 90s and people say, okay, in year 2000, we'll have flying cars and we'll be halfway living in space. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this. Then year 2000 hit and I was like, oh, I don't have any flying cars. I don't see any like space uh, apartments or anything. So <laughs> I think I would I would take a look into the future and see if any of those things ever come true. And true. Uh, if not, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's hoping we all get to see some flying cars in your future oh, yeah. through the time machine that you travel with. <laughs> Oh, yes. All right, I think I'll have one should, of my Maybe I questions. should build my own time machine, right? Maybe then it would. Hmm. Yeah, I, flying, think, I think that's a, a good idea time too. machine. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'll be great too. <laughs> Maybe just give me a one-way uh, one ticket. I think I'll want to stay there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Michael, tell me what's your favorite place of all the places you've traveled to. I know you are, you're traveling big time. Your profession takes you a lot of places as well, so. Oh, yes, I do travel a lot. Um, I'm not sure that I really can pick a favorite because I've been so many great places, but one of my favorite memories, at least from vacations or traveling, uh, was from when I was a kid with my parents and siblings. We used to, uh, so I'm from Denmark and um, and Denmark is a fairly small country. So what we did every summer was we packed the car, then we drove to some place in, in the country and we rented a, a summer cottage, stayed there for a week and then discovered uh, those areas and I think I have some of the best vacation memories from there because we were together as a family we discovered our country and it was just such a nice way of learning where you sort of come from what your country has to offer and then we could start like looking outwards and exploring the world. Sounds so beautiful in fact it's one of my favorite things too uh, to do whenever we are here, you know, with the whole of family. It's it's great. It just gives you a lot of comfort and exposure. Of course, like you said, exploring Denmark was very very mm -hmm. good for you. So yeah, I, I can totally relate Absolutely. to this. Absolutely, this is lovely. It also encouraged me. So I lived in in Germany for a while, and and when I had time off, I was out exploring a lot of things in Germany, the same way I did when I was a kid in Denmark. So it it taught me a lot also about uh, about Germany, which I think is is very good and healthy to learn more than just your your own little space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is great. Thank you so much for participating in the quick rapid fire round. Uh, but okay, I think let's try and come back to our uh, topic today as well. Mm -hmm. So um, help me understand, Maikin, uh, the use of documentation in the digital adoption space. And how can we relate it to the user adoption process? Right. And it's a beautiful question. I think, first of all, well, no matter what product we make, right, we aim at making it so good that the documentation isn't needed. But on the other hand, we really want to help people if they get stuck. 
And I think that's probably one of the, the biggest challenges we have as both as technical writers, but content writers in general. So we want to have really cool products and then we want to save people, right? And yeah. often you'll see a lot of frustration from people if they get stuck in places and and that's both the virtual and, and physical products, right? Um, yes. I mean, Ikea has done a pretty good job in their documentation, just showing pictures of you need to do this and you need to assemble like this. Um, but if we look at the digital adoption space, I think there's a lot more to consider and a lot more to uh, to think about when, when we create our content. And I see help documentation as a safety net. Of course, I want my mm -hmm. products to be super intuitive and high usability and really good user experience. But we all know that at some point, some users will have the frustration and then we should be able to save them with our, with our documentation. And even, I mean, in some areas, it's even a legal requirement that we do have the manuals or our help pages. So there's a lot we need to, uh, to live up to. Yeah, absolutely. I think I like the point where you said that uh, documentations are actually your safety net, of course, um, yeah. as a user. I mean, from from uh, the other side of the table, I can vouch for that. Uh, I think IKEA was a great example that you gave as well. Uh, pretty easy to well, understand. I think, I think actually also when, when we look at the users from a youth perspective, right? We look at, okay, I have this feature. I need to present it in a good way. I need to teach people how to do it so they actually adopt the product more, right? In that situation, I would say we need to take the users even more by the hand and say, okay, you need to click here and then you need to click here. Then this page will load and you need to do some things here. Hey, congratulations, you did it. So giving that little win for the user, like, oh, okay, it wasn't as difficult as I thought. Check, I did it. Victory. You know, it's, it's sometimes just, it feels so good. And I know when I take new systems into use, I'm like, okay. I'm used to doing this, but I know I will hit some challenges. And then sometimes I'm just looking for, okay, where are the holes in the cheese here? What, what didn't they think about in this guide? And uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just no habit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I relate to that. I try and try, uh, dig into a couple of holes as well, uh, even though there's a complete perfection to a product. But yeah, I, I relate yeah. to what you're saying. So it's, it's really yeah. interesting. Uh, Maiken, uh, any real life examples that you would like to share where uh, the right documentation played a vital role in increasing the user experience and followed by software adoption? Yeah, absolutely. So I used to work in a software company uh, that did a, a software to help people track their time and manage their projects. And um, when we first introduced a digital adoption platform, we actually saw that the step-by-step -step guides we did in our software actually took away some of all the, you can say, simple support questions we had in, in the customer success team. So they got more time to actually focus on customers. So I think we reduced the number of support tickets by, was it 40% or something? 30, 40%? That's um, massive. It is. It was like, how do I create a new employee? How do I attract time on a project? How do I create a project? So all of these relatively simple things in the system, we could make a guide and we could teach people, okay, Click this icon, you get the guide, you can start the guide and it will take you to the right places. So all that time we freed up, we could actually spend on being proactive in our customer service and our customer um, success management and find out, okay, we have some customers over here. They used to be a bit 
not angry with us, but a bit dissatisfied. And we could channel some of the time and resources into communicating with them more, building better relations and actually retaining customers based on a simple implementation like this. I think that's that's that shows how powerful a digital adoption tool can be. Uh, no matter which platform it is, and no matter what I think software product you use, it just it helps you a lot. Then after a while, people found out, okay, this is how we how we use it. Then they found out, huh, okay, if it's this easy to use, then there must be something more that I can use in the system. So we could see in in some of the uh, some of the statistics that they actually started using different parts of the system that they haven't used uh, that they hadn't used before. So. It also helped us sort of keep people in, uh, you know, lock them right. in and uh, and have them on for a longer time. Yeah, I think uh, since you have uh, you've brought in the customer experience and service part inside the topic of adoption, Michael, do you think uh, geographical differences in culture uh, per se uh, has any impact on documentation as well? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, culture impacts everything we do. So it's we don't go to work as as robots, right? We are whole human beings, and no matter in which interactions we are, we have our own, you can say, cultural lens that we view the world through, depending on where we grew up, in which country, in which part of the world. Did I travel a lot? Did I live in more countries? So we always have something in our little uh, backpack that we sort of take out. We don't even think about it. It's just something we do because it's. It's the way we brought out that we have we have learned a lot of um, let's say stereotypes, prejudice, that it's just part of our culture. And then when right. we meet someone from a different culture, we're like, oh wait, what's going on here? And it also it impacts the, the documentation. So if you are from a high or low context culture, and this is related to how you communicate, what values are important for you and your community? Uh, are you an individualistic culture? Are you a collectivistic culture? So do you focus more on one human being or do you focus on the group? And then don't even get me started on colors. I mean, in some, in some cultures, there are specific colors that we cannot use uh, because they, they mean different things than they do in, in other cultures. So mm. it's a whole area which I think is maybe a bit left behind sometimes, especially in bigger companies that don't maybe think about it, or also in the smaller ones that, oh, wait a minute, is that a big area we need to focus on? Mm, we don't have the resources right now. So right now we just write it and hope that they understand and don't get angry with us, right? Yeah, I think yeah. now when I think about it, uh, when we as consultants talk to uh, people who are trying to discover the world of TAP, um, we, we've never thought of documentation from the cultural perspective but what you just mentioned Mike and I think mm -hmm. that is that is a great eye-opener for me as well and I think it gives me a lot different perspective into thinking how we talk to uh, other people and how we try and present the process of documentation to them by we help them in this discovery journey. Um, uh, Mike what are your thoughts on workflow design methodology that can transform the way we work on user-focused content? Well, if we want to have the use on focus, we I think everybody should walk a mile in the user shoes, actually finding out, okay, what is it you work with? What is your role? How does the space that you're working in look? Do you have a desk? Do you have three screens? Do you have one screen? Do you only have a small laptop screen? Are you sitting in a big office, in a small office? Are you working from home? Are you sitting in a cafe? So understand everything around what makes the user tick, you can say. 
Um, and here, culture, of course, plays a, a role as well. But first of all, finding out. Um, so if we go back to the, I mentioned the time tracking software before. So if I'm tracking my time, it's probably because I need to build some customers. And if I need to build some customers, I probably need to be more precise in my time tracking. If I work in a company where it's just to collect and get an idea of how much time do we spend on different areas, but we don't need to build it, I may not be as precise in my in my time tracking and as I would be if I if I build the hours. And when we are working with systems, we know that people will sometimes be happy, they will sometimes be frustrated. A lot of times they will be under a lot of stress because they have free deadlines coming up and unforeseen tasks coming in from the side, right? And the more we know as content creators, the better we can tailor the documentation and find out, okay, maybe you need a step-by-step -step written description to find out and solve this. Maybe someone else needs a short video to see, have the visualization. Ah, okay, I need to click here, here, here. Or maybe someone needs the in-app guide and they there you have to think about, okay, they are stressed, they have a deadline. How many steps can I add in this guide to still make it work? and help them succeed with what they're aiming at doing, right? And yeah. all of this helps us better tailor the uh, the um, documentation. And then an absolute must is to do user testing. So once mm -hmm. we have made some documentation, then test it on a few users. Start with somebody internally who maybe um, somebody who don't know the system that well and somebody who do and see what are their reactions. Do they get stuck somewhere? Does the in-app guide I did, does it break all of a sudden? Because it, well, you know, the uh, the uh, the saying, it worked on my machine, right? <laughs> yeah. that a lot in software. And yeah. you that a lot also as a content creator. So you sit there, you work with it, you click and click and click, and it just works. And then somebody else with a different environment maybe uh, tries out the same guide and they go like, well, it doesn't even start or it just closes right. down after step two. Then I'm left here okay i don't know what to do as a user right true yeah absolutely more i think mm -hmm. the more we test the better documentation we we give to our users and the more successful they will be in uh, in their tasks right absolutely absolutely um i also mike and i'm thinking out loud since we are talking about the user experience duration and keeping it to exactly what they want and what yeah. would really help them you know, reach a particular destination or complete a task. Um, do you think the team members that you work with, their skill sets and the methodologies that they uh, adapt to, to understand the process of user-focused documentation, that plays a vital role as, role as well, because document creation is not one man's job role or a single person can definitely never handle it. There's an army behind it. So do you think mm -hmm. that impacts this area? Well, I think if you have the luxury of actually having a team, you're uh, you're quite good off. So my experience is that in, in smaller companies, you're often alone. You're one person doing everything, right? So if you have mm -hmm. a team, you're quite lucky. And of course, when you have more writers, you also have more knowledge. You have more skills. And you can take different parts and put it into play. And, um, and the more the writers understand and actually have the ability to put themselves in the place of the users, like a bit like I mentioned before, well, the right. better documentation will also deliver as a team. And when we are a team and we learn from each other, then we can also find out, okay, we're not that vulnerable if somebody gets sick or 
if something happens or if somebody needs, let's say somebody needs extra help in, in the support one day and answering phone calls, well, it could be beneficial to take someone from the documentation team because they, they are familiar with the products, they know which help uh, sections they can point to and say, oh, you have this challenge. I know we have this in the help section that can help you, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and if we have more nationalities in the team also, we get yeah. a lot of, I'll say in, in quotation marks, free knowledge um, and learnings that we can actually use in the content creation. Oh, absolutely. I think I love the last part because uh, because our professions definitely connect us to a lot of different people, uh, culturally, geographically, and that is definitely bring in the flavor that uh, you just mentioned about. So very interesting. Um, moving on, Maikun, um, what do you think are the different ways to measure the success with a roadmap for each stage, let's say before, during, and after the change? Oh, this is interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you necessarily need a, a roadmap to actually measure what you're doing, but I think it's a good idea. Um, well, sometimes it comes down to also what kind of product you have, right? And, and what kind of documentation. Uh, where I worked before, I had a software product. And of course, we had a lot of documentation. So we had the in-app guides, we had videos, we had written text, we had white papers, we had so many things um, that we did our best to tailor. There was an FAQ section, there was a I don't know, there were so many things, there's so many offers for, for the users. And looking at, especially for the, the in-app guidance that we did, was quite easy to see, okay, we had this issue before, we built the guide, and then we could see, okay, which steps do they go for? Where do they jump off? And if they jump off, do they still reach the milestone that we wanted them to reach? So even mm -hmm. though they didn't complete the guide, some of them actually succeeded in doing what we wanted them to. Uh, we could also see if the if the guide uh, just broke down out of nowhere and we could mm -hmm. make some changes and we could do uh, A-B testing, finding out, okay, this is the purpose. This is what I want them to achieve. And then there are two ways of doing it. And then measuring is it option A or option B that is most successful and then implement that for, for everyone. I think that's that's one of the, the good things that, that you can do. And of course, you can also look at for the online help that you have, if you have a help center, if you have a video portal, you can do a lot of measurements with, with different analytics tools to see, okay, how many visitors do I get a month? How long do they stay on the page? Do they jump to different uh, help pages? So once they come in, do they just look at this page or do they go and read some more? Do they want to learn? Or are they in a mode where they just want to fix things, right? right? And speaking of fixing things, well, they need to be able to find it also um my experience is that if people go to your online help and they do a search and they don't find it right away they go to google they do the same search and if you're not good at optimizing for google well then they won't help get the help either and either they give up that's the most likely thing that will happen because they get frustrated that that yeah. would be their third try right if they try again yeah. or they give you a call in your support line or start a chat or whatever and then if you still can't help well it's not a good experience, right? So the better we are at actually making the, the content available, the easier it is also to measure the uh, the success. 
And, um, and if you have physical products um, that you sell, well, you could also look at how many complaints do we have? How many customers call me and say, okay, I don't know which button to, to press to do this. And you say, well, it's on page four of the manual. Well, I didn't get a manual. Oh, okay. But we knew we sent it when we sent ship off the uh, the products, right? right? So it's, again, availability and, and knowledge, basically, can help us here. No, absolutely. I think... Um, as a user of a product, it's, it, it becomes very important to get the job done. Basically, I'm looking for some help, how easily I can get it. Um, that's going to be my focus. And I'll definitely try that route out. Uh, but in the end, I'm definitely just wanting to complete what I'm trying to aim at as well. So the sooner, the better, the easier, the better for me as a user. And I think that's a that's a great thing to uh, have totally distracted. Yeah, so, yeah totally I, I, this, is a, this is a good one, Mike. And, uh, and I think I would like to take up my last question for today's mm -hmm. podcast. And um, it would be about the importance, you think, of digital adoption solutions and how they can influence people's perceptions. Oh, yes, this is interesting. I mean, we all live in a, in a digitalized world, right? We do everything online nowadays. We, we can talk to people overseas without any trouble. We don't need to wait for the landline to be available, right? So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and almost all parts of the world have good internet connections now, right? So it's it's easier for people to, to get help. It's easier for people to connect. And there's just an unlimited amount of options, uh, which can be a bit overwhelming, right? If you're... If you are maybe new in digital adoption or if you are just uh, finding your way through, um, but with the help from digital adoption solutions, we can we can ease life for for our users. We can strengthen our branding, right? So if we if we get really good at onboarding new users, onboarding new customers through a digital adoption platform, well, then we are I think one step ahead of our competitors. I know a lot of people do this, but not enough, I think, succeed in doing it right in the first or second try. So sometimes you need right, to do an right. implementation or you need to do a re-implementation, then another re-implementation to hit the right spot, right? And you can only do as much um, as much with, with the help from, from your internal people. I think the external people, so the users giving you your feedback, the more feedback you can get, uh, the better it will help you. And that also influences people's perceptions, right? So if you're willing to listen to your to listen to your users, to listen to your customers, well, you know, happy users, that gives happy leaders. Happy leaders are happy customers in your shop. And happy customers buy more or recommend you to others. So that all gives you more money in the bank, right? And when Absolutely. you when you listen to when you listen to people, when you listen to their feedback and you take it in, you analyze it, you sort it, you find out, okay, here are some easy wins. If I do these small implementations in the product, it will get, make life easier for people. If we do that, it will be easier for our salespeople demoing the solution and the potential customers will see, hmm, it's easy. I need to do two clicks and then I'm done, right? Before it was maybe 15 clicks or it was five clicks, but the more clicks we can save, the better, right? And I Definitely. think that's, that's also where digital adoption solutions and platforms play a, an important role because those are so great tools. You can, as a content creator, you can look into statistics, you can follow where they go in the system, you can see how they behave, where they click, where they get stuck, uh, how long time they spend on a page often. And 
all that knowledge is gold for you because you can take that in as a content writer and or content creator and find out, okay, if I'm a user, I'm in this situation, I know this from the data, which steps would I take? What would I need to be better at performing my job in this system, right? Um, and if it's a person only working in that system, it will just mean the world that you have a supplier that take you, um, take your input in and actually do something about it, right? Often, I think uh, as, as a software user, I see a lot of companies just, yeah, uh, hi, we want your feedback, and then nothing happens, right? But if you get very good at having that dialogue with your customers, the, the direct dialogue with your users, I mean, then you have so many ambassadors out there just waiting to, to help you, even though they, they don't realize they might actually give you some new customers in, in your little shop. That's very well said, Michael. Um, in fact, while you were speaking, I was just thinking about this, that as a user of any, any product, uh, what would make me feel empowered is being heard. Uh, and right. I'm the actual user. You created the product for me. And if, if I have got something to say, I have a feedback for you, good or bad, uh, I being heard would definitely put me in a great position. And it, right. And of course, if I see that feedback being implemented into the product uh, or the help or guides that I get, it will definitely let me to confide in your application or your product more. And of course, I'll be spreading up words about it. So yeah, definitely. It's yeah. one of the ways to get more business. Yeah. Imagine you sit there as a user, you spend a lot of time describing, this is my workflow. This is my, these are my challenges. This could be a benefit for me. This would save me so much time if you do this. And then you see in, let's say you see it in a newsletter, oh, we have done this to improve the user experience. You're like, hey, well, that was my idea. Awesome. It actually helps. I My time is well spent doing this. Um, I did my I did my thesis on actually user feedback in, in software development and how that can impact both the development cycle, so how we develop our product, but also the, um, the documentation and, and customer satisfaction. And, um, and the more help you can get, and I, feedback is a help for you, right? Uh, both the good and the bad, because you can find out, okay, in the documentation, maybe they say, well, I don't want to read uh, 10 sections in this. I just need this knowledge to actually complete what I want to do. Okay, then we can cut down the information because as writers, we have a lot of knowledge and we want to pass that on to everyone who wants to listen, right? Right. Uh, at least, well, I, I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you when you sit there you prepare your content you're like yeah this is good structure this is awesome and then the users get it they start using it they're like okay this is I, I don't need this I just need this section and then I'm then I'm good right so if we can make it more simple and easy based on the feedback then they will also be more happy and Definitely. yeah I mean happy people just make a better world right totally totally I completely agree to that so yes uh, having a precise help given to people uh, is also definitely important in today's world. We've got no time. Everyone's rushing for something or the other. So no time to definitely find out or hunt for your help or guide. And exactly. of course, if you get it in a right way uh, at, the, at a proper place or at a one place that you know of, it's great for you. It's time-saving for everyone. Does the job well for you, for company, everyone. So I think that's exactly. good, Michael. Thank you so much for all these thoughts. And I think this was a great knowledge sharing session that we had here today with the podcast and I just want to thank you for everything that you shared and coming down to talk to us today sharing about your experiences and everything else 
So thank you, Mike. And I hope this was equally good for you too. Oh, yes. I loved it. I'm happy to come back anytime. I mean, the more, I think the more people know, the better they get in general. And if I can contribute to that, I'm just a happy camper. We'll be happy to have you back again, I feel. So thank you for thank that. You. I hope. I hope we have also inspired people to go home and take a look at, okay, what is it actually that we do here? Are there things that we can improve? Should we ask for more feedback? Uh, should I take some of the cultural things into, yeah. into consideration, right? And then, yeah, let me know how it goes. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Mike, and again for talking to us, and I'll be seeing You're you very welcome. soon. Oh.